This is the Sergio Rodriguez Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Sergio Rodriguez Show, a show unlike any other. Today, season three of the Sergio Rodriguez Show kicks off. And to kick it off, we're going to bring on my man, Zach Braziller, because Zach is a guy that covers college football, college basketball, the Yankees, Mets, Jets, Giants for the New York Post. So I thought that he would be the perfect person to bring on today to discuss, you know, everything from the point that we left off when season two ended to now and get his kick started going into season three next week for season three we're going to try to get a couple of guys a couple of insiders from the nfl to give us some updates on where the league is going to be moving forward for the 2022 campaign i want to see if i can get somebody on to give me some information on the dolphins the bills the chargers because i think they're going to have a big year And in the NFC, somebody that can give me something on the NFC East or the NFC least because that league is so terrible. And definitely somebody from the West because obviously the defending champions are in that league. And there's a lot of moving parts right now going on in that division. So I really want to speak to someone from there. But before we bring on Zach... Let me address something that happened a couple of weeks ago. So Fernando Tatis a couple of weeks ago gets gets suspended for performance-enhancing drugs. And look, I don't know if that bothers people anymore like it once did. I think in baseball, it's always going to be taboo. But I don't know if it bothers people as much as it once did. But I'm going to tell you what bothered me about that. It's the culture of the Dominican player being always involved in this type of news. It's always the Dominican player. It's always the star Dominican player. And I will tell you that in 85 to 90% of the instances, the thing that drives me the most crazy is that it's players that really didn't even need it. Okay, every now and then you're going to get the guy like David Ortiz who without the steroids would not have been successful. I mean, everybody forgets that David Ortiz was a guy that was released in Minnesota. Lost his job to Doug Minkavich. And then all of a sudden becomes a Hall of Famer. That was the steroids. We get that. But Sammy Sosa was going to be a 450 home run guy. A-Rod was going to be one of the top five players in the history of the game regardless Manny Ramirez was good without it. But it's always the Dominican player. And you can go down the list. And before 
Some of you guys out there listening want to get the Dominican Al Sharpton after me because I'm speaking bad about the Dominicans. Or that white liberal on Twitter wants to go on and criticize me and tell me how I as a Hispanic should feel about certain issues or every issue. Understand that I'm Dominican, so kiss my ass. The fact is, it's always the Dominican star player that's in the middle of this garbage. And then on top of that, the goddamn ridiculous excuses. Like, we're some idiots. Fernando Tatis. Ringworm. That's his excuse. Trying to get people to misunderstand exactly what he used and what is used for ringworm. Because it's almost spelled the same and sounds the same. Manny Ramirez, testosterone. He was having a problem building testosterone. Miguel Tejada, he thought it was a B12 shot. Melky Cabrera even started his own website. (laughs) He had somebody start a fake website saying that he bought it there thinking it was okay. I mean, you can't make this up. You can't make this up. And it's always the Dominican player tied in and wrapped up in this situation. Always. And yeah, you have a smattering of, you know, your Ryan Bronze, etc. But, you know, I just don't understand. And particularly in Tatis's case, bro, you had the money already. You had it. There's no need to do it anymore. Because here's the thing now. What that leads me to believe is that Tatis did it while he was getting signed. Remember that Fernando Tatis's dad, who, by the way, also was a steroid user, in my opinion, he was a kid who was growing up in the States. I mean, they try to sell you this story that he was from the slums of San Pedro de Macorís. The kid's an American kid. I mean, his father was playing in the big leagues here. Stop, okay? They go there just like Cano did when he was going to school in Newark, New Jersey at Barringer High School. They leave so they could sign as free agents in Dominican Republic and not have to enter the draft. So to me, being there, and him being the type of prospect that he was originally out the shoot leads me to believe that the reason why he got busted at 23 while he already had the money was because he was doing it before. He did it before to get signed. Or to excel, I should say. I mean, and that's the, it's, it's just terrible. And, and again... It's always the Dominican player in the middle of this. The Dominican MLB star player. That's what I should say. The Dominican MLB star player. You know, and then you have guys like, you have that 55 and over crew. Guys like my dad. Who are okay with it because it's okay in football. Why is it a big issue in baseball? Bro, because they're the rules. The rules are there. 
If you don't like it, go drive a cab. Go buy a bodega. That's what every other Dominican does. Go do something else. Go drive a truck. Go work on Wall Street for the newer generation. Go become a school teacher. But everything comes with rules. Everything comes with rules. And if you don't want to follow the rules that MLB set forth, David Ortiz, another clown. Forget about the fact that he's been the biggest benefit factor of all this steroid stuff because not only did he use them, created a Hall of Fame career with them according to the people that voted him in, but because he got pissed off in Yankee Stadium, threw a TV, threw a tantrum, everybody got scared. Nobody followed up any other questions to the fact that he was on the same list that A-Rod was on. They left him alone, put him in the Hall of Fame. No one brings this up. And now he's criticizing MLB baseball for their rules, for the way they, they, they treated the Tatis situation. In other words, what he was saying was, you let me get away with it, let him get away with it. Another clown. Another clown. It's just terrible that it's always my people in the middle of this situation. And I wanted to get that off my chest before we got the show started. And joining me right now, my good friend from the New York Post, Zach Braziller. Zach, how are you? What's up, buddy? How are you doing? Can't complain. Can't complain. It's been uh it's been a exciting last three or four months with you. I've been I mean, I think the last time we spoke was near the NCAA tournament, but since then, um, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff going on in the New York landscape with sports, the Mets are off to uh, got off to a great start. They have continued that. Buckshaw Walter has those boys playing. The Yankees got off to a historical start. They've obviously slowed down, but they were so good early. They've been able to weather the storm. And the Jets and the Giants are about to kick off right now. So a lot of stuff going on in New York over the last couple of months. Yeah, I mean... You know, the, the baseball teams are doing great. You know, I, look, I get it. Yankees have been bad lately, but they're still, you know, comfortably in first place. And, you know, obviously the you got Kevin Durant deciding to stay with that circus over there, and football is starting. And, um, you know, a lot U.S. Open here, a lot, a lot, uh, a lot going on. You know what? Let's. I- Obviously, I I wanted to speak to you really mainly about the college football season and where it was going. But since we're here, let's touch on a couple of things. Speak to me about the Nets first. Let's start there. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. First of all, like I I would say like every other two weeks, I text in a group chat that I'm with in my with my cousins. Kevin Durant chose to leave Steph Curry to play with Kyrie Irving. (laughs) Let us not forget that. Uh Um, 
where's that situation at now? Because I, I, I just can't see that ever being totally rectified. Um, yeah, look, it's going to be fascinating because <laughs> we all know he, you know, he, um, he, he, he first told the owner, Hey, I'll come back if you fire the GM and the coach. And, you know, obviously that didn't happen. And now he's back and now Kyrie's back. Yeah. Look, I, I think it's a ticking time bomb, you know, I mean, would it really surprise anyone if, you know, in December, there were reports Durant wants out again. He's demanding the Nets trade him. I mean, it it does not look. I'd be stunned if it works. You know, if the Nets somehow win a title here, I, I to me it just seems like too much of a mess. But it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch though. Speak to me about the Yankees, bro. They got they got off to a phenomenal phenomenal start. Like I said, a historic start to begin the season. I have never been of the belief that the Yankees are going to win a championship the way that they're constructed, okay? And um, even when they were going through that stretch, I just don't believe that they are equipped for a short series. I believe that they are equipped for 162. I've been saying this damn near since 2002. 13, let's say. Okay. What is the Yankees ceiling right now? You know, for a while, I've been of the belief they'll be fine. I, I, I said it a million times while Yankee fans were jumping off bridges. Um, now, look, they're going to still win the division. Uh, they still have a six-game win-loss column. They're up seven. They play the Rays this weekend. As long as they don't get swept. Um, you know, I still think, you know, they're going to win the division, but look, they're not going to, I just don't see them being the Astros. They're just not good enough. They're too one-dimensional offensively. Correct. I agree with you to a point. You know, that, that great stretch was, a lot of that was the product of just amazing starting pitching that was pitching over their head. Jameson Tejada was pitching like an all-star and, you know, Cortez had an ERA of like one and a half, and Severino was amazing. Now he's been out, you know. But I still think they could be a threat. Now, I don't think they're beating the Astros, but I still think they could get to the ALCS. You know, Listen, I still, I Zach, they still can, they're always going to be a threat because the three-run homer plays. And a guy like Stanton, which he did last year, could have a big series. But if you want to go across the board and just be fair, there's no way they can go through four series and win. It's just it's just impossible the way that they're built. They, if you look at them offensively, you, you're going to drive yourself nuts. But the thing that drives me the most crazy is that they have about five or six guys like Donaldson, who act at the plate like they're 290 hitters. They, they'll switch. I saw guys, that game where Donaldson hit the home run, the grand slam, there was a four-pitch walk right before him. He swung at the first pitch and missed on a ball that was damn near in the dirt. Like he was Tony Gwynn and he can hit on on, after a four-pitch walk. 
You know, and there's too many guys like that in that lineup. Torres does the same thing too. In fact, he did the same thing in that game. So that's why I think that they're just gonna be they're gonna be in trouble. Now, conversely, the Mets, right, who always find a way to Mets everything, right? They'll figure it. The only thing that I can tell you is if they can avoid being the Mets and just messing it up, because something always goes wrong. If they can get healthy and DeGrom and Scherzer are firing and they can win the division because it's key to set up the pitching, they can win this. Here's what I say about the Mets. I I actually think no one's talking about this. I think they miss Giorme a lot. I, I really do. And, and that may sound that may sound silly um, when you look at the rest of their team, but I, I think they miss him. They miss his defense. They miss just his his contact and you know, he goes the other way and you know, look, Brett Beatty isn't quite ready. Escobar, I know he had a good game last night, but it's been a mess. You know, I think they, I I really think they miss Yorme. Um but yeah, look, winning division is huge. They still have a three-game lead with 31 to go. I think they're going to still find a way to win this division. The schedule is so soft after they get through the Dodgers series. You know, I I know a lot of people are talking about the bullpen, but here's the thing: in the playoffs, it was off days. I think they'll be okay when you, you know, you have Diaz, Adovino, and Lugo. Um, you know, I know they're they're hopeful Tyler McGill once he, he returns is going to come in the bullpen and help. Um, my still question is offense, you know, the new guys, Naquin, Vogelback, Ruff have really slumped lately after being pretty good upon coming here. When Lindor and Alonzo don't hit, that lineup really, really struggles. And, and, and I'll tell you what, they've gotten a lot out of the five and the six hole this year, more than they probably thought they would get from Kanye. Uh, and, um, been batting fifth, the uh, center field, the outfielder, uh, Nimmo. Oh, Marte? Um, no, 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 Marte. Um, you know, they've gotten a lot from those from those spots. Uh, that's helped extend the lineup. But you're right, that 7-8-9 looks extremely weak. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I, you know, look, I, I still think they're a good spot. I think they're going to play the Dodgers in the NL. I think they're going to get to the NLCS and probably lose to the Dodgers. Um, you know, it it is what it is. It, you know, I still think that would be a good year, um, all things considered. And look, you, you never know. If you have DeGrom and Scherzer in a short series and you have Diaz, the way he's been pitching at the back end, maybe, maybe they do win. Maybe they do find a way. Um, to win that series, but it's been a great year. Obviously, they're gonna win a hundred games. I'd be shocked if they don't. Um, you know, I mean, they're probably gonna win around one hundred five. Honestly, I mean, when you look at what they have left on the schedule after the Dodgers, it's a ton of Pirates and and Cubs and Marlins and Nationals. I mean, it's just so many just bad teams. Um, I I think they're gonna, you know. Win 100, 405 games. That's a, that's a phenomenal year for them. Take me over to the NFL. Season's about to start in less than two weeks. Jets, Giants, they actually played this weekend. You know, I used to go to that game every year, and I'm a Cowboy fan, but obviously growing up in this area, 
we had to go root for the Jets in that game, right? And we would always go, and the game was a lot more competitive. They used to always do it week three when there were four weeks. They used to do it week three. So a lot of the players used to actually play, and it was always a good game. Uh, now nobody even pays attention to that. I saw that the score, you know, that the Jets won. I saw the score. Um, give me highs and lows for both these squads. We don't expect any of them to win over seven or eight games, but where who's headed in a better direction moving forward? I, I think the Jets are the better team. Um, I think the Giants are going to win more just because the, the Giants' schedule is just so much softer. You know, I, I think it's way too early to know if the Giants are headed in the right direction. You know, they have the new coach, the new GM. You know, they so you know early on it seems good, but you know we got to really see them in action before we know um, if they're really you know good at their jobs. I, I don't, I don't think it's fair to to say yet what they are. Um, you know, I think. One thing for the Giants, the Giants need a quarterback. Daniel Jones is not the answer. They need a they need to get a quarterback in this draft, and it's a really good quarterback draft. Now the problem is the schedule is so bad, the Giants might end up winning six or seven games, and then they're not going to be in position to get one of these quarterbacks, whether it's Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or you know one of these other guys. Now I think the Jets are, I think the Jets are better. The problem, the Jets are in a brutal division. The AFC is so much better than the NFC. And the Jets' schedule is really rough, where I think they're probably going to win five at the most six games. Now, I, I, I kind of – and now the other question with the Jets is the quarterback. I mean, do we think Zach Wilson is the answer? I, I, I don't know. I, I would lean more to no than yes at this point, but I don't really think we have a, a firm grasp. Now, look, I think the Jets have a great defensive line. I think the Jets have some good young skill position players with Elijah Moore, who I think is going to be a very good player. Uh, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Michael Carter. Uh, I, I like what the Jets have in terms of young players. You know, they went and they drafted Sauce Gardner, uh, a, a shutdown corner. I like what the Jets have. The problem is they're in the wrong conference. If you gave the Jets the Giants schedule and the Giants division, Jets could win 10, 11 games. I, I actually, I really think the Jets have that kind of talent if they play that kind of competition. The problem is the league and the conference and the division is just is just so tough that they're proud they're gonna end up with another top ten pick. And, you know, and we I guess we'll we'll go from there. Well that you know, to me the big question is what what is Woody Johnson do with another year where they win five or six games? Now, let's say they're competitive. Let's say they're playing much better. You can clearly see they're a better team. They're playing better, but they're not winning these games because the competition is so tough. Be interesting is Woody Johnson say, "All right, I'm going to give Douglas and Sal another year here because I think we made progress, even though the wins didn't come." And that, to me, is the most interesting thing about the Jets. You know, the Giants, and you mentioned quarterback play. Daniel Jones, in my opinion, also is not the answer. But you did bring up probably the best point that you can possibly make when it comes to the NFC. The NFC stinks. And and in particular, I shouldn't say stinks because the champ is on that side. But the NFC is deficient. How's that? Because they're deficient at the quarterback position, 
When you look at the NFC East, for example, and you take into consideration that the best quarterback in that league far and away is, is Dak Prescott, and you go through the rest of the quarterbacks other than Aaron Rodgers, and I don't want to even hear Tom Brady because, again, we just never know where that's going to go, particularly at this age, right? All the quarterback play and the better teams are in the AFC. So the Giants should be taking advantage of this period, and yet they're still lingering, and they've been lingering for a long time now in an inconsistent league for a while. What is what is their game plan? Where do you see them going? Yeah, I mean... You're right. I mean, I, but I think the Giants. I, I think the Giants are going to do this right. You know, they the GM seems like a sharp guy. The coach seems like a sharp. Like the Giants are going to do this right. They can't just take shortcuts. It's going to take time. They're 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 rebuilding. They're you know they have obviously they have big cap problems because because Gettleman was just such a terrible general manager. Um, you know, I, I don't really see the Giants stopping anyone this year. The offense could be halfway decent um, if. You know, if these young players emerge, maybe Saquon Barkley finds it. But I just, you know, I just do not see um, this team winning more than seven games. They're still their 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 defense is going to be a mess. They have no secondary, um, you know. So yeah, look, it's going to take time. It's going to take a few years. They're just they inherited just such a bad situation from Gettleman. Just so many bad contracts, terrible caps situation. That Giants fans are going to have to be patient. I know that NFC is bad, but it's not like the Giants are a contender, even in a bad conference. Take me over to college football, because that's why I wanted to pop you up. You know, I criticize a lot of sports because, and particularly, you know, I I am a guy who spends his whole life coaching uh, softball at a high level. And I and I always tell my kids I don't watch much division 1 softball because I always see the same 8 8 to 10 teams playing. But college football's kind of become that except that it rotates. Now we're in the Alabama phase of this, right? I think guys my age can remember the Florida State, Miami, Nebraska phase, Penn State phase, right? So everybody it goes through that because it's such a uh, sport based on the head coach, right? If you take Nick Saban out in three years, Alabama's no good no more. So, but is this going to be another year of Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Texas A&M? Yep. It will be. College <laughs> All right, well, the season's over. <laughs> I mean, I think Alabama is so far and away the best team in the country. Um, you know, they have the two best players in their country. They're absolutely loaded. They'll be motivated after not winning last year. I, I'd be stunned if they don't at least make the playoff and at least make the title game. Um, you know, I think Ohio State is very good. Georgia, I'm sure, will be good even though they lost a ton. Texas A&M, if they can figure out the quarterback, is, is you know has a shot. I, I like Michigan. I think Michigan's offense is going to be really tough. But yeah, there's going to be the same stuff as always. That's the problem with college football is there is, you know, no parity. Now, 
maybe USC with Lincoln Riley there can be a factor. I actually like Utah. So maybe you have like a sleeper fourth team in the playoffs, but it's look, it's gonna it's gonna be Bama and Ohio State, definitely. I mean, I think they're clearly the two best teams in the country. Um and yeah, look it's I, I like college football a lot. I do. I cover it. And I love covering the playoff. It's fun. But, you know, for so much of the country, you know, you have no shot. I mean, I have friends who are Notre Dame fans. They're, they're preseason number five, and they, and they don't think they have any shot to win a title. Well, we all know <laughs> that. We all know that Notre Dame gets this inflated ranking every year, and, you know, they're never right. But my point, But the point is, you could be a, you could be a fan of a team in the top ten, and you don't think you have any shot to win at all. I hear you. A, I hear you. That's a problem. Yeah, it that's is. a big problem in the sport. Like, it is. It is. But I think that that's almost, I treat it like a seasonal thing, right? Like, I, I like to me, again, because of the coaches being so impactful in a lot of places, I think, you know, this will rotate eventually. But you know what? People get a lot of coverage on these teams that I just mentioned. I'm going to throw some teams at you that will be top 25 teams that could get a little shine. And if things go right, you know, you tell me if they can make some noise. You know, Clemson struggled last year. Do you think they're back again and they could, you know, they can get back to the top of the ACC? No, I don't. I I love their defensive line. I don't think they have an answer at quarterback. And that to me is a big problem. Um, I'll, you know, I think the AC is actually a little bit improved. I think I think NC State is good. I think Miami will be better if if the quarterback is okay. Wake Forest is a, is a factor. I I don't think they, I don't think Clemson's winning the AC. I don't think they're making a playoff. You mentioned Miami. Crystal Ball takes over comes from Oregon, a program rich in tradition, which I believe the NIL situation is going to help a lot moving forward because there's a lot of guys like A-Rod, like The Rock, who will invest a lot of money in that program now, and they can do it now legally, right? How do you think, and and Crystal Ball's gotten off to a great start in the recruiting trap. How do you think Miami's going to fare in this new landscape of college football now that they can do their things legally. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. You know, look, I think they could be decent this year. They the quarterback was great the end of last year, Tyler Van Dyke. <clears throat> um, you know, I, I'm 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 interested. They they did like you mentioned. They they really beefed up their defense in the portal. They added a bunch of guys there. I think they could be a team that could be interesting. I'm really looking forward to their game against Texas A and M. Um, early in the year, I think that could be a you know a, a real chance um, for you know for them to make a statement, um, especially so. since Texas A and M early is still going to be trying to figure out that quarterback play. Yeah, no question about it. Um, yeah, look, I think Chris Ball is an interesting hire. He was good at Oregon, not great. Never made the playoffs. He did lead them to a 12-11 and 11 win season. Um, so, look, I, I don't think there's a lot that you could, that we're going to say, look, Crystal is definitely the answer to get Miami back to where it was a few decades ago. But 
I do think, you know, there's a, there's a shot he can do it. And he's also a good starting. And Eric's a pretty good quarterback. He's got some good transfers in. So, yeah, look, Miami is definitely a program to watch. And when you look at that, you know, that state, I mean, it's amazing what's happened to these three programs in Florida. When you just look at all the talent in the state, it's, you know, you got to think, it can't stay like this forever. One of these programs has got to figure it out. Too. Speak to me about the most overrated coach in America, Jim Harbaugh. And that I mean, program. Just made the playoff last year. Stop. Stop. He's won one game, one meaningful game since he's been there. One. One. He's like one in 12 in meaningful games. And he's the only. He made the playoff with your boy Crystal Ball, did it, has it? Hey, listen. I didn't say Crystal Ball. Crystal Ball doesn't. I'm never going to tell you that Crystal Ball's a big time coach, okay? My thing is this. When. Jim Harbaugh gets treated like he's Nick Saban. He gets paid like he's Nick Saban. And he's never won anything at any level. Anything. He's to you know who he is? He's <laughs> he's the Chris Paul of coaching. He gets treated I like, like I actually like Michigan this year. I think their offense is gonna be really good. They return a ton. Monte Bell's um, you know, who their their best really their best player. Um you know, missed all of last year with the injury. He's back. I, I think this is Michigan's best offense under Harbaugh. I I think they're going. I think they're going to the playoff. I picked them in the paper. I like Michigan a lot, actually. This year, right. this year not going to like this, but well, I, I no, think, no no no. Listen, I think they have a lot of talent. I on offense. I would tell you if I didn't grow up a Miami Hurricane fan, I probably would have been a Michigan fan. I like Michigan. I just I just it just drives me nuts that they treat this guy like he's you know. I don't think he, honestly, I don't think he's really treated like that anymore. I think he used to be until the last year or so. I don't think he's treated like he's some elite, elite guy anymore. Okay. A couple of things before I let you go, because I know you have a million things going on. You mentioned Utah. I like Utah. You know, what Whittingham's done in that program has been phenomenal. You think they can make some noise? I do. I, I, I you know, I'm really interested. They have one of the more interesting uh week one games that at Florida, you know, it's a real chance for them to make an early statement. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, the quarterback, Karen Risen, is really good. The coach is good. They always have a good defense. Yeah, I, I like them. I, I do. I think they're going to win the Pac-12. I think they're better than USC. I just think their defense is better. And, yeah, I think they're going to be in the playoff mix all year. Can USC revive football in the Pac-12? Well, for like two years before they joined the Big Ten, they can. Correct. Well, um, or, or you know what? Let's say the, the the West Coast. How's that? Fair, fair. Yeah, look, Lincoln Riley's terrific. We all see, we all know what he's done with the in the transfer portal with getting Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams and Travis Dye and a bunch of other guys. You know, they still need to. They, he's going to need to really recruit the interior. The the two lines is. What people say is going to be real key for him. But, yeah, I, look, the guy went Oklahoma. I don't see why he's not going to win at USC where there's just ridiculous amounts of talent out there and they have everyone's support and, you know, and all that stuff. I I fully expect him to do a great job there. I mean, I, I don't see why he wouldn't. The guy, is, the guy is a brilliant offensive mind. He's a really good coach. Um, I, 
I do. I think he's he's going to be good there. I now look. I don't think they're going to win more than ten a game this year, and I think people need to kind of ease up on expectations. But yeah, I think he's going to get them back to what they were. Last thing, the you and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this. I know you you made your prediction about Michigan. I'm gonna make a prediction about something. The uh, Big Twelve, which is terrible this year, by the way. So is terrible. Well, yeah, but at least it always has one or two teams that, if you catch them on the right day or on the wrong day, if you're playing them offensively, they can beat you fifty-five to fifty-three, right? Because the league is so bad, I think you can get somebody sneak in to that playoff because who's going to beat them within the league? There's probably only like two or three. You got Oklahoma, Baylor. I mean, is there a third team there that you really, I, I, I mean, uh, Oklahoma State? But Oklahoma State. But here's the problem. You're saying like, so you think someone's going to go undefeated. Correct. Here's the thing. No one's that good, so I think because no one's that good, they're going to lose again. The, the lead, the, all right, yep, I could see that. I could see that. But that's my worry, that once again you get, because look, as, as much as I would hate to see the redundancy of the same four teams, I also hate seeing in the playoffs Notre Dame, because they're going to get smoked, a team from the Big 12, they're going to get smoked. You know, it's like at least, at least I know if I'm watching Georgia, Alabama, I'm going to get a good game. Sure. Yeah, I look, I I don't see it with the Big 12. Um, I really don't. Maybe Oklahoma, because I think Brent Venables will get that defense better, and Dylan Gabriel is a good quarterback. But no, I, I, I don't see it. I, you know, those teams will probably beat up. Honestly, the winner of the Big 12 will probably have two off. Like, that's, that's, that's my guess. But, you know. What'd you think, we'll what'd you think of the... Uh... What do you think of the uh, St. John's games in Dominican Republic? But besides the fact that I could have done a better job with my iPhone filming the games, um, <laughs> um, I thought I thought I thought Joel Torreira looked great. I thought it was very encouraging that Posh was hitting threes. I thought Curbelo was terrible as a way to go to figure things out here. Um, I'd like to see more of AJ Store. He looks like an he athlete. Yeah, he fits the style perfectly. He can hit a three. Um, you know, I, I thought Stanley looked good. I thought Naiwi looked good. I think the Giants, I think they're going to have a really good front court. I really do. Um, I like what they have up front. Um, David Jones was pretty decent in spots. Um, you know, the team's going to be, can they shoot the ball enough and can Curbelo give you anything? Because I think Posh is going to have a really big year. I think Posh is really motivated. You know I what, really do. You know what Corbello's biggest problem is going to be? Pinson is coming. Huh? Pinson is huh? playing. He, he, at that size, he can probably give you the same thing that Corbello was giving you. Yeah, but I think they're going to want to play Pinson off the ball, you know, because of the shooting. Yeah. But yeah, look, it's there. I mean, look. The huge year. I've said I must, I've said this a bunch. It's a proving year. It's a proving year for the coach. It's a proving year for the program. Because look, you got a new president in there who really wants to win. And I, I don't care how the recruiting class they bring in. If they don't make the tournament and they go like 
seventeen and fifteen or something. I I can I can see the coach. I can see the president making a change. I really can. He wants to win. It's very important to him. He he wants he, you know basketball is a big money maker when it's good. Um, they got to win this year. It's a prove it year. Um, I wish the non conference schedule was better than it is. Uh, we have this conversation every year, Zach, me and you. <laughs> but no, look, Soriano has taken a major step. He's No, 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 so I'm talking hard. about in terms of the schedule. No, 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 I know, no, I know, no, I know. Um, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I mean, it's better than last year, marginally, though. Um, you know, so we'll see. I mean, look, I think they're probably in the same group as, I think the clear top three are Creighton, over UConn, although you can make an argument that maybe UConn isn't quite up there. But I think it's, you know, four through eight, St. John, Xavier, Butler, Seton Hall, Providence, any of those teams can finish four, any of them can finish eight. Um, I'm not as high on Providence as other people. They have so many new guys. I know, but Ed Cooley can just coach, man. Yeah, okay. We'll see. I, I just, I think St. John's has enough talent to finish fourth. Now the coach is going to do a much better job than he did last year. He did, did a bad job last year. I'm sure he would admit that. Um, you know, if you think about it, he, he did not do a good job. He's got to do a much better job this year. Now it helps that he's got a lot of returning guys. Um, but look, Pasha's going to hit threes. He's going to be one of the best players in the Big East and one of the best players in the country. That's it. He can hit threes. It changes everything for him and this team. Um, Soriano looks great. He's completely changed his body. He's he does so much. Um, David Jones, I, <clears throat> I, you know, I like a lot. Um, and you know, and then he said, but I, if Cabello's going to be good, St. John's going to be good. If he's not going to be good, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. But, so time will tell. Zach, you're the best, bro. I'll bring you on before college hoop starts later on okay. in the year. But I appreciate you taking time out because, like I told my my audience before you came on, no one better to kickstart the season with with you to give us a recap and, and, and reset us on where we're at right now because you understand the New York landscape better than anybody else, my brother. I appreciate you. Hey, man. Have a good one, all right? Take care. That was Zach Braziller from the New York Post. And you've been listening to the Sergio Rodriguez show, a show unlike any other.